0: Hey, you cool cats and kittens. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Slow slow, slow down. Slow down. We ain't doing that today, man. We ain't doing it. Oh, right. wrong uh wrong podcast?
0: Wrong podcast. Oh man, ah, crap. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, we don't want we don't want our listeners to know that we that we have yeah, that other one, take right? Two. Oh take, take two, two. Right. Take <clears throat> two. Oh, You're ready, one, two, three. <clears throat> well, welcome back everybody to another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews.
1: SoCal episode 32? thirty-two.
0: Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Uh and uh uh, before before we move forward, let me every, let everybody know that uh, Fred has been extremely busy. I've been getting some uh, some people asking, where's Fred? And where's Fred? Fred's still around. He's doing his thing. He actually oh, yeah. just started a, a full-time Spanish uh, channel. So he runs his English channel, a Spanish one, and he's been extremely busy with work. So he's been kind of um, MIA from the show, and he's going to lay low for a while but right. he is still there we in fact we had some questions for him from our listeners and since he's our luxury expert we reached out to him and he he gave us some really good answers so so there you have it so p and i are going to be running things for a while so yeah. so there you go p how you been
1: man it's, it's been very very busy now that the country is partially open and my wife told me today that. Uh, uh, the governor has officially lifted the stay-at-home ban, so oh, ooh. it's about to get really, really interesting. I'm still not going outside anywhere. I'm going to work and back. Uh, if I have to go out of the B4 essentials, so yeah. uh, that's where I'm at with it. So
0: I agree. I agree. So I've been reading and look, everything in the media is just a bunch of yes. You don't even know what's real, what's been researched, what hasn't. I mean, it's just kind of all over the place. But in my personal opinion, even if the if the bands are lifted or whatnot, it's the same. You know, I'm not going to feel comfortable. I mean, I was reading just an article this morning that they're projecting that if everything opens up, I mean, potentially up to I mean, again, this is maybe an exaggeration. That's what media does between four to five million people could potentially get infected or whatever. Mm. So I mean, look, I, we're just we're just staying low. However, we are helping the economy. You know, if I could buy online and grocery shopping and stuff like that. Um,
1: we're definitely you are, doing do, you, it. do you really want to hear something funny? Sure. <laughs> look, listen, this is explicit. So kind of it's kind of explicit but it's really, really funny, right? So we were in a grocery store the other day. And you know how like, you know, you don't have corona, but you may have like a little cough and shit. Yeah. So I had started coughing and then you know I started getting all these weird looks. hmm So I'm like, I said, ah, like that. Ah. And I said, Oh, never mind me, I don't have corona, I just have a pubic hair stuck in my throat. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and then everybody yeah. just looked at me like wow and I'm thinking like that would have been great for YouTube. too right? you know what I'm saying if I would have had my wife record that and she just looked at me like what the fuck is wrong with you
0: my boy P's <laughs> been eating the box too much lately Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yo, it was so funny, man. People just looked at me, and one guy he kind of gave me the fist, like, "Yeah, you know what I mean." Like, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's
0: funny." Wait, so you He's publicly funny. said that? He publicly said I have a Peter. Yeah, I said Did anybody I laugh? Stuck
1: in my throat. No, people just looked at me crazy. The you know, uh, one guy that gave me like the fist was kind of laughing at it. You know what I'm saying? That's but,
0: funny. It was uh, yeah. I I read early on with this whole quarantine thing. I, I saw a joke somewhere. My wife told me a joke something uh, in regards to before i used to cough to to hide my farts but now i fart to yeah. hide my coughs
1: <laughs> right <laughs> it's it's so
0: true though you're like i remember yeah. i went to the store and i felt that yeah a little tickle on my throat and i'm like there's just absolutely no way i'm i'm not clearing my throat because people are going to be staring at me and i'm going to be people are gonna just 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 freak out and i'm like yeah i'd rather not do it right. but uh mm-hmm. but yeah i know it's 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 been crazy and um yeah we'll see what happens you know um we'll see what happens the, i know some countries are, are definitely getting better and it, it's it, it just feels forever right i mean this quarantine feels like it's been going on for years and it really hasn't so i don't mm-hmm. know man i just can't wait for for all the cases to Diminish, and even then, even if if we get rid of this coronavirus, it's just not ever going to be the same. Uh, but people you know. do forget. I remember 9/11 happening; that that really made an impact on a lot of Americans, including myself. Of course, I was a lot younger. Right. Yes. Yeah, sure. But. Uh, people forget, I mean, kind of, you know, kind of, they moved on, and I mean, scars are still there, but they, they, people quickly forget, but I really hope they they take this serious, because this affects everybody, you know, not just a certain individual, certain nationalities, affecting the whole entire world, not just the U.S., you know, so, right, but anyways, man, what are you wearing
1: today? I am wearing a vintage Elgin Shockmaster, very fitting for today's conversation. Very cool. So
0: I am wearing something that I hadn't worn since I bought. And as the Pagani design has been uh oh uh oh it's been about five days. Five consecutive days that hey. I've been wearing this guy on a wow. on a mora strap. And wow. it, it's a lo- I know it look no it looks good on the motorcycle. You ain't posted it on Instagram yet, have you? Uh I, I did in my stories, but obviously it's like a twenty four hour okay. thing, but uh right. but I will take some pictures of it. Uh, look, of course it's a rip off of Rolex, you know, no no question, without a doubt. But the value that you get for the money is just incredible and that's kind of fitting mm-hmm. for what we're gonna be talking about today, which is how did we build our collections at an affordable uh cost i guess you could you could say
1: yeah and, and we mm-hmm. but
0: obviously p's collection is crazy he has how many watches do you have in your collection if you could say 50 60, um, more less more than that more than
1: that plus 100
0: plus 100 so p has about 100 plus watches in his collection i got about i guess 13 14 watches in my collection so i i know we're, mm-hmm. we're, it's just too many but uh uh, to each a song, right? It, it depends what you're going for. It depends if you have a theme. Sometimes you don't have a theme, but, but yeah. Before we uh move on with that, we reached out to our community, right, to our listeners, and we had some questions, uh, right. So we basically said, hey, do you have any questions so we could definitely answer them yeah. in the next episode. So. Two of the questions um, were... So you want, do you want me to read the question? Absolutely. Yeah, answer? yeah, why don't we do that? So the first one came from my yeah. friend David. I actually have uh, yeah, known this guy for a while, and he uh, he actually asked two questions. And, of course, they're luxury-related. So the answers right. actually came from Fred from Chaluso because he's our luxury expert and our friend, like I said. Yeah. So, yeah, why don't you read the
1: question, and I will let them know what Fred said about the first question. Alright, cool. Question number one. Who currently makes the best manual wine movement? Okay. Um, and I guess we're assuming non Chrome. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. So let me let me answer that. And by the way, his handle on Instagram, and I think he has a private account, but his handle is uh D underscore S C H U K. Uh, so that's David right there. So this is the answer for David in regards to uh, the manual wine movement. Uh, basically what we have here is the Longer zone, the L043.1, uh, and it's found in the scythe work. And basically for a few reasons, you know, it looks amazing. It's a uh, German silver hand engraved balance bridge, blue screws. Uh, crazy innovation has a mechanical watch that shows the time digitally. Uh, having to manage all the force of a car to instantly switch those discs every minute, every hour, while still having a decent 38-hour power reserve, and makes a real feat of engineering. Uh, now, furthermore, he even went into manual chrono. So for that, we will go with the Omega 1861 caliber for a sheer yeah for the sheer longevity. It's been basically the same since the 60s and the 70s. Um, of course, it went to space. Used by NASA and uh, still used by omega and last year uh you know the what do you say only last year that they feel the need to give it any sort of update with the 3861 so that's answer to question number one what is the best manual wine movement furthermore we even discuss what's the best manual uh, chronograph movement now of course maybe that's yeah. uh, the he didn't put a price range but that's kinda with the luxury spectrum, right? But affordable Kronos. I mean I would mm-hmm. I would say uh what would you say? The uh Seagull uh nineteen nineteen fifty two? Yeah. Or is it yeah. 1952, yeah. 1962? Uh, nineteen something, but anyway. Nineteen fifty. Yeah, but they they got um they got that, uh, that vintage uh, Venus movement in there. Well, it's not a Venus movement, but they bought the equipment. And, yeah, for a sub, what, 200 bucks, you get a manual wind uh, movement. Is it the best? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Of course not. I've heard some things. But it's affordable, and it's a display case back, and you can check it out. So, uh, so yeah,
1: that's question number one. Question number two, what you got, Pete? Uh, question number two is Sky Dweller versus Daytona. Future value. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's a great question. And I know the uh, Daytona obviously was uh, a really bad seller for uh, Rolex for many, many years. And Sky Dwellers still, people don't, I don't know. I don't see a lot of people talking about Sky, Sky Dweller. Nah, Even though, really. I mean, great innovation, great watch. I don't personally like it, but I, I, I recognize its uh, attributes. So here we go. So this is right. what, what uh, Fred had to say. Uh, basically, Daytona will stay high. Prices will normalize a bit. Uh, but it'll always be one of the top reselling Rolexes just because of iconic status. Of course, easy recognition and lower production compared to the, you know, sub-GMT. Skydweller had to fight to make it uh, its way you know to the list. Still, uh, it's not that well-known, so it won't overtake the Daytona. You know, this is just a speculation, of course, partly because the Daytona has so much of a head start in establishing it's a classic status, but also because Skydweller appeals to a smaller market. You know, chronos are typically more popular than annual calendars, GMTs, and also the 42 versus the 40 millimeters if it's more risk. Uh, so, of course, the Daytona probably takes it. Uh, but it yeah. but it is sad, you know. Like Fred said, the Skydweller has more technically advanced, but it is what it is, you know. But you never know. The Daytona, again, it was it was a dog for Rolex for years, until the one six five two zero in nineteen eighty eight, uh, they came out the Santa Daytona, uh, and kind of, you know, that, that that's kind of what did it. But uh, but yeah, those are the questions, and then we have one more question here, and this is, I guess, not really watch related. Our friend A L I A S Alias dot steven dan so let me let me spell it out so mm-hmm. you can follow that account some really really yeah. good pictures a-l-i-a-s dot s-t-e-v-e-d-a-n Woo, there you go it is dot yeah. steven dan how did you meet ross wristwatch love and Shaluso? okay so oh, that's wow. that's a great question um it's a great question mm-hmm. so how do we meet p uh it was all because of dave just to watch right Dave just, to, Dave watch. just yeah. to watch. So check this out, people. So we, our channels were relatively small. I mean, they still are, right? The sub-thousand subscribers, but I mean relatively small. P had 30 subscribers, about?
1: 30. Yeah, 30. just about. And I had about
0: 130, 100 and something. I mean, there were brand-new channels we had just started. And he put out a, a, a video. What was the title? It was... Uh, My Favorite YouTuber. No, My Favorite und- Undiscovered. No, un- un- Undiscovered YouTubers. My Favorite yeah. Undiscovered YouTubers. Yeah. Now, sadly, I right. think some of the people on that list, I don't think they continued with their channel. I'm sorry, I don't remember the names of the channel, but, but we kind of stuck through it. But it was funny because what I did, I checked out every single person on the list and I went to go subscribe to their channel and I reached out to every single one of them and said, hey, and well, not every single one of them, not some I did but I was like hey I enjoy your channel you know and I I did that for uh, P right and I think you did the same for me you know you subscribed to my channel and you did yeah. the same and it just kind of flourished from there one of the one of the one yeah. of the main reasons I think we we I invited P on the podcast was because he was a member of Watch Gang and he talked about Invictus a lot so I figured I'm like hey that could be a really cool kind of controversial uh topic on my podcast and it was a relatively new podcast as well right. like two two episodes in three episodes in so i yeah, three yeah like three or four like early on so i invited p and he was game you know he's like yeah sure cool yeah i'll i'll, I'll jump on and it just kind of took off from there right I And mean, we we started this this great relationship right. and then we we continued talking yeah. on youtube And then I think Instagram at some point, and I just kind of came to realize that doing the podcast alone was very difficult. And I'm pretty sure I don't enjoy when I listen to a show and it's just one person talking. I like the interaction. And that's something about that human interaction that's definitely important. So that's how we met. And then for Fred, it was a little different. We met on YouTube, and I don't necessarily remember why, but it was one of his videos. I think I found him or he found me. And it was one of those things we just kind of started conversating, and uh, one of the things that, that uh, why I wanted to reach out to Fred is because, number one, he his channel was just kind of how I wanted to make my channel, which is bilingual. I ended up starting a completely different channel, a Spanish one, but he had a mixture in his channel of both English and Spanish, and not only that, he focused more on the luxury sector, right? So he was very intrigued by the affordable aspect, and he basically reached out uh, to me and said, hey, I think it's super cool that you have this kind of going for you, that you talk more about the affordable stuff, but not, like, the the, the lower, lower end stuff. You're kind of, like, more mid-tier and a more luxury. So, yeah, we kind of – I invited him on the show we did an episode. I'm not sure if P was there for that one, but uh, I think it was before Okay, yeah, so it was before, was it was it before was. P became yeah. uh, before he became a, a permanent and basically what it was it was like the something about the value in watches you know, how we perceive value in watches so he came at it from a luxury perspective and he was defending that and I was defending more the lower tier and, and it's kind of fitting to what we're going to talk about today, but yeah basically the, the answer is that and just like with many other people, you know, I became really good friends with different people that are obviously not on the podcast, but yeah, um, you know, behind closed doors, we we definitely talk to a lot of people. And uh, I think what's even more exciting, uh, at least what I've seen is some people we've converted to watch collectors, if you will, watch enthusiasts. Um, so it's pretty cool. You know, it's like we, we, we're making an impact where it matters. And to all our fellow, um, uh, podcasters, you know, I know Scottish Watches 10 and 2, two broke watch knobs. Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm forgetting more, H- Houdinki, Grey NATO, and stuff like that. They made it onto the New York, yeah. uh, was it the New York Post, the New York Times? I'm sorry, and you know, they, they got highlighted and they talked about their show and all the listeners they have. Obviously, our numbers, they're, they're nowhere near. Uh, what their numbers are but I, I think we bring something unique to the table p and i i think you know you and i talked about this we we bring a different aspect that uh that a, a lot of our, our our peers don't and everybody brings a certain something to the table that's amazing and it makes every show so unique and so amazing but i think what we bring to the table maybe you may call it urban you may call it you know, more minority or, or whatever you want to call it. You know, we, we come from a perspective and from a, from a place where hopefully a lot of people can relate or as new collectors come out, is like, you don't need to have deep pockets to enjoy this hobby and you don't need to be from a certain culture. You don't need to be from a, from, you know, cut from a certain cloth, if you will. You know, if, if right, you like what right. you like because you like it, you know, I recently made a video, um, uh, comparing the Pagani design PD sixteen thirty nine versus the SKX zero zero seven, two iconic yeah two iconic watches, you know. So it's, a lot of people give the Pagani a lot of hate, and you know it's a it's a replica, is an homage, is is Chinese, is it's a cheap crap and this and that. Hey, all you guys out there, uh, if you didn't know, a lot of these big Swiss companies, believe me, we've talked to insiders; they produce their stuff in China. They're not going to tell you about that, but they manufacture yeah. a lot of their stuff in China, but they finish it off in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. So guess what? Get off your high horse and em- embrace, it, embrace it, embrace it, you know, but uh, but yeah, anyways, man, I, I digress. I uh, I just I just don't okay. want people to, to think that we're coming off as haters because we're not. We have nothing but love on this on this podcast and uh, we will Absolutely. continue the podcast. Hopefully our listen, listener listenership will go up. So if you feel like you like this podcast, share it, you know, share it on Instagram, on YouTube, uh, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever you want. And uh, just full disclosure, uh, P's, like he said, P. P's uh, schedule got crazy since uh, the reopening of of, of mm. society, if you will. So recording has become extremely difficult for us. That's what we missed last week. Um, but I don't want anybody or everybody thinking out there that we're going away anytime soon because we're not we, yeah, we we got some things rant. lined up. We got some people that are going to come out and uh, uh, speak to us. And, yeah, we're just going to come out with some more cool, fun topics for you guys. And, hey, any recommendations you guys have for us, shoot them uh, our way. Send us a DM or, or you know, just kind of reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to, to either have you or, you know, talk the topic. And we will definitely give you credit because that's the type of people that we are. Right, P.? So right I I saw, before we get into the main topic, I saw some, some releases, right? I mean, there's a ton of releases everywhere, uh, which is cool. It's exciting to see uh, people putting out releases, which I kind of heard through the grapevine that Rolex may have something in store for us. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That might be kind of cool. But mm-hmm. I know one of the articles that we read was from the uh, Tag Heuer, right? The Monaco they they did a uh, right. they did a partnership with uh the grand Prix uh you know monaco to rake. it's uh, the limited edition i completely butcher that but uh basically uh you know it, the Heuer has been for a long time went to auto racing and, and they they are the supporter and the timer of course uh but they have a partnership with the Grand Prix and monaco and basically they became the official timekeeper and sponsor of both the Monaco Grand Prix in the Monaco Top Cars Collection mm. Museum. So, yeah, it's is a limited limited edition cool. Monaco. Uh, how do you feel about it? it has a, that kind of red, kind of maroon uh, dial mixed with kind of like the silver?
1: I've, I've been, I haven't liked a lot of their watches lately, but this one here, I think I'm feeling. I really like the red and the dial and the red on the chronograph. Um, I love the position of the function pushers, um, and with that black leather strap, I think that this is a banger. I would bang oh, it. Oh, it will bang it, on. <laughs> um, yeah, not. not a,
0: uh, something about the Monica just—it's never done it for me. I—I I think it's the—it's a, the a case design, right? It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's not so much the innovation right. and what they have going on. I think it's more the case design. I, I'm not a fan of square watches. Um, I think the reversal I could get behind. I think Cartier I could get behind, like a tank. Um, but this looks a right. little different, and I I've seen a
1: monocle in the metal, and I just I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know. You ain't, you ain't feeling the way that red. Not, not a not a
0: huge like fan right? of red dials, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. it does remind me, though. Of course, you know the, the the dial and the subdials on the on the main dial remind me of uh, gauges on a vintage car and of course uh being a car guy i can get mm-hmm. behind that and i think it's cool and it's very fitting of course because they're they're partnering up with a with a car um uh you know theme here with the with the races and all that the museum all that stuff so it it, it definitely gives it uh, you know that that vibe of like a vintage f1 car Uh, but but anyways uh yeah that's coming in and it's a limited edition a thousand a thousand pieces and 6800 bucks it's not i guess it's not breaking the bank i think if it was over ten thousand dollars it would be but 6800 bucks if you're a fan of you know the, the the races or tag or uh yeah this is an okay looking watch not not my not my cup of tea but uh but yeah we definitely had to talk about it and the other one
1: it also has a uh
0: it does with, the, with their own uh with their own movement yeah. so that's cool I, I always i always enjoy a good right. uh see-through display case back although i think they kind of killed it by putting printing on the actual display case back i know grand seiko has done that for some of their models and it kind of it kind of takes away from the exhibition case back. It's like if you're going to have an exhibition case back, why in the world are you going to put some printing on top of the case back? Right? I mean, it should be clear. Right. Whatever. Right. Uh the other one that uh that came out that uh it's it's a collaboration. It's Grand Seiko. So they're collaborating with watches yeah. in Switzerland and their latest mount Iwate dial GMT. Beautiful watch. Um basically, you know, with, with the theme of, of Grand Seiko, they always go for a theme, right? So it's a, it represents the the summer or the winter or the autumn or whatever. So for this, they wanted to capture basically, if I read that correctly, the the green dial has this really cool texture to it. So they wanted to capture what it would be like driving through Mount Iwate. Now, I haven't even seen pictures of that mountain um, or that drive, but I would imagine mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful. And they what is it, the Tog Special Edition. Uh, the reference number is SBGM 241. So it's a, a green dial GMT, you know, combines a bunch of well-loved Grand Seiko features yeah. into one impressive and unique address watch. Interesting, though, I mean, when I first saw the right. dial in the case, I immediately thought it was sports watch. So the fact that they didn't present this with a stainless steel bracelet or titanium bracelet or whatever, rather, they use a crocodile printed uh, leather right. strap kind of confused me a little bit. It doesn't look bad. It doesn't look mm-hmm. bad. You know, dimensions are what, 39, 39.5 by 13.7? 39. It's sapphire crystal. Yeah. What? Water resistance. I'm a little disappointed, you know, at three atmospheres. So that's that's not great at all. Uh, it, you know, caliber nine and sixty six. So it's not their their high beat movement, but it's 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 a good movement nonetheless. Of course, fifty two hundred bucks mm, coming out in July. Uh, of course, you can't deny that Grand Seiko has fifty two hundred. Yeah, you can't deny that uh, Seiko has some of the best styles. Period. I mean the the finishing, the the texture, the the attention to detail. Of course, Ratsu polishing in a lot of their cases is it's just incredible. You know they have they have captured something in the market that not a lot of people can capture. That's uh, just beauty, beauty in a small little, little, small little object. Just just all the all the details that go into it. If you're a Grand Seiko aficionado, you you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's all about the details, the minute details. And innovation, too, you know, not particularly about this one, but their innovation, you know, spring driving movement is it's incredible. You know, it dwarfs a lot of the big Swiss boys, you know, and and the
1: German boys, too. So how right. do you feel about right, So how do you feel about that strap, though? Because like, I would have loved the strap to, like, match the dial. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you know it, I mean? it's... I don't necessarily like that green stitching going down the, the it's, size of it, and I just think that's kind of tacky. That's I don't know. I just I, I
0: think the leather, the brown leather, and it, it just clashes with the watch. I might be completely wrong, but it, it just, in my opinion, it just clashes. Uh, it doesn't look right. I, I would, like I said, I would have liked to see uh, a metal bracelet on this guy it, because it, it's a sports watch. I mean, in yeah. essence, it looks like a sports yeah. watch. Uh, and right. maybe they should have thrown this leather as an option uh, or maybe like a nylon. Uh, I know Christopher Ward does something really cool where they have like a, a rubber or, or silicone, I'm sorry, silicone strap that's kind of like a hybrid between a nylon. So the top would be nylon and then everything else is rubber. So you have like a, a mixture of, of both worlds. And I would have loved to see that with like a olive green, olive green uh, nylon. Uh, that would have been super cool, but right. nonetheless, I mean, look—the cool thing about about watches is that you're able to change the strap on them, right? Uh, but I mean, if you are spending yeah, for sure, for sure. over five thousand dollars, I want to spend the money on something that I want to keep at OEM and it's gonna look cool. I just don't feel like this leather strap for me does it with this uh, with this dial. But the dial's stunning. I mean, it has these. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Dallas is beautiful, man. That green—it's like, like these oh little, you know. And then if you look a little closer, like I don't know how it—it is it, it, like a dark tree, like green. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. For you know sure. what I mean? A well,
0: place with the light, of course, uh... definitely. Just like anything else they have, but it is—I would love to see this right. in the middle, but. Uh... But, yeah, there you have it. I mean, there's just so many more watches that we can talk about. I know Cartier uh, came out with a bunch of Hamilton. Hamilton I mean,
1: got
0: one. Everybody. But we'll talk about them in other episodes for now. We just kind of wanted to highlight these. I know Seiko just came out with some with some Beast as well, right? Some Arnie's and right. some other cool prospects. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. Not enough money for us going around. But, <laughs> But for today's discussion, you know, we wanted to highlight something because uh, we recognize that we have a lot of new collectors listening to the show, some seasoned collectors as well. But, uh, you know, questions that we get time and time again from people, especially new collectors, it's always like, uh, you know, what do you think about this watch? What do you think about that watch? Um, how can How can I build a collection for X amount of dollars, right? And the whole thing about watches is, You go into it, or at least I I could speak for myself. When I went into it, I need Rolex, right? I need the big boys. And when I was looking at the prices, I freaked out. And I was like, how am I supposed to be a watch collector? How am I supposed to own these cool pieces when these prices are just ridiculously high, right? And then I I saw the Omega Speedmaster. Never heard of that watch before in my life until I really got into watch collecting. And then, again, how in the world am I going to be able to afford this? Um, so I went the route of Seiko, Seiko SKX, and everybody knows Seiko, the value that they bring. But then I got stuck into this hole where I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I love my Seikos, but I really want to get into some Swiss watches because that's what Instagram is dictating. That's what YouTube is dictating. That's what social media is dictating. Right. Uh, which by the way we were planning on doing another episode basically talking about how Instagram and how social uh, media is ruining watch collecting so if you're interested in that you got to stick around you got you got to you know <laughs> stick around for a future episode but ba- but basically yes, sir. Yes, sir. that's kind of that's kind of what we want to talk about today don't if you're a new collector or even a seasoned collector don't don't feel like you can't own something. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking a Patek here, or an AP, or a, a, a Rolex. There's just no way around it. You know, unless you steal it or unless you buy a replica, then you could get it affordable. But other than that, I mean, you're gonna have to spend the money. But there's there's another way of collecting watches, and it could be a German watch, a Swiss watch, a yes, Japanese is. watch. It doesn't matter. Um, so, P, why don't you start us off? With? What are your what are your thoughts on this?
1: Um, I personally, when I first started collecting, collecting a few years ago, when I really first started getting into it, um, I had no idea of the actual like, like the watch world kind of like, because I come from like, like the Prince world with music and movies and stuff like that. Like, I understood that, you know what I'm saying. But when I started getting into like the serious watch collecting. It was like amazing to me, and I don't think that I really understood until I started going vintage. You know what I mean? Um, I think the vintage market is a great place, not necessarily for people to start, you know what I mean? Cause like I started out with like Invicta and like, uh, lower end right. Max and stuff like that, but the vintage market. Like, it's so much value in the Venice market. And I say this all the time in my videos. I think I've told you this, Miguel, that the Venice market, pieces in the Venice market are eventually right. going to start going up in price. So right now is a great time to get into it. Like, i give you some examples. Uh, Hamilton Acumatic I got, right? Swiss made. Got it for $70. So plus. what? You know what I mean? Why don't you tell the people, let's condition. let's
0: compare that to like a, a khaki field, right? So a, a brand new khaki field is going to run you, what, 400 bucks? So if you could pick up a vintage bucks. Hamilton, it's coming from the same brand. It has an automatic movement, right? Automatic movement. Automatic, automatic movement. Bucks. Now some disclosures, because right, I know people are going to come out with their pitchforks and, and going to want to say like, oh, whoa, you guys didn't say this. So Let's talk about the downfalls of vintage watches. So let's get that out of the way because I don't want people to think that we're not aware of it or that we're we're just kind of hiding that, um, right? Or that we have a secret agenda that we're going to start a a vintage watch shop and we're going to start selling watches. That'd be kind of cool, but
1: uh, we're not in it to make money, you
0: know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, the thing about vintage is you have to shop smart. You you just can't look at something and be like, oh, it's cool, I'm going to go ahead and get it. You know what I mean? You have to look at who the seller is, you have to ask questions, you have to do all these things in order to come up with. And sometimes you need to have, even have to hold the seller out on price. You know what I mean? Because again, like, they just trying to get rid of something, trying to sell something. And they'll eventually bend if you can bend them enough. But you know, you, you have to do your investigation. You just can't jump in. Yeah, for sure. It looks cool. You know what I mean? Like, like my my thing on eBay is if someone doesn't have a 97% rating and above, I'm going back. Let's take it.
0: that. Let's take that even further.
1: And if Oh, sorry. And if I OK. And if I send them a message and they don't respond within yep. a certain amount yep. of so hours, this, i want back. From this, to this,
0: so there are certain things to eBay. You know what I mean? And I've bought on eBay a lot. I know P is starting to get into it. I've been buying on eBay for about close to 20 years now. So I, and I've sold on eBay for about, right. about 10 years now. So I know the ins and outs of eBay um, pretty good. So here's here's the thing P, you hit the nail on the head. I actually won't buy from anybody that has less than like a 90, 98.5. Percent rating, but I take a lot of things into consideration. Number right. one, what am I yeah. buying? Right? But in this case, watches. Uh, number two, does this person sell watches or is it a one time type of thing that they bought at a state? You know, which would be, yeah, that's another one because right, a lot yeah, of times that, that, is that really one. is a gamble because these people may be honest. They'd be like, hey, I don't know. Well, I'm, the watch is running, in my opinion. I mean, it's been keeping time, but it's like, well, they don't really know. You know, they probably just watched it a, just, a, just a few times, maybe over a 24-hour period. And it's okay. I mean, at that point, you just start asking a bunch of questions and asking for more images. You know, if the seller is motivated, if the seller is transparent, if the seller cares about what you have to say, then um they're going to comply. Because uh, the thing about it is if somebody's trying right. to get rid of something and they're not getting back to you. They're just being kind of deceptive. Imagine what's going to happen when you get the watch and you want to start a return process. Good luck with that. They're going to be hiding under a rock. So you, that's not what you want right. to do. Now We're not saying eBay is the only way to buy these things, but is one of the ways that we've bought things. So we have experience with this. That's why we're talking about it. Furthermore, um, when you have a ray on right. eBay, it doesn't necessarily... I mean, you, you could have sold two things. And those two people give you a 100% rating. So your rating is 100%. Would you buy from somebody that's only sold two things on eBay? Maybe not. So you need to look at the, the amount of items that they've yeah. sold because then you start looking at the percentages and that's where it makes sense, right? So somebody that sold 2,000 items and has a 99.9% rating, you know they're they're good people to buy from. As opposed to somebody that sold ten items right. and has a ninety-nine percent rating, and that means they they have some negative feedback on there, and it just doesn't make any sense. That's not who you want to buy from, but buy from the seller. Always buy from the from the seller, whether it be Chrono Twenty Four or Facebook group, Instagram group, fa- uh, eBay, Amazon, whatever. Always buy from. Always buy the seller, and ask a ton of questions. The thing about vintage watches right. that make it a downfall is uh, several things, right? So materials, you know, a lot of times, a lot of those vintage watches don't have sapphire crystals. Um, a lot of times, those vintage watches haven't been serviced, right, for a long time. It's been maybe years. Maybe the, the, the thing is it's running, but it's running dry, and now you need to service it. So, yeah, you picked up a, a watch for 70 bucks. And now the servicing is going to cost you 200 bucks, So then you got to ask yourself, well, right. do I want to pay $300 for that watch? Or should I just buy something new, something modern that comes with a sapphire case? Uh, yeah. I mean, sapphire crystal and, you know, brand new stainless steel case or whatever, right? Um, so full disclosure, we know vintage watches are a gamble. We know that uh, it's probably not going to be the watch that you can wear on a daily basis. But we're going to give you some examples, like P just started, of watches that we've purchased for not a lot of money that have some pedigree, that have some kick-ass aesthetics, and come with history. Right, P? So uh, why don't don't we do this for the people? Would it be fair to say that you could tell me of three vintage Swiss watches or watches that have Swiss movements— that you've purchased or that you own in your collection that you've invested less than 500 bucks. I could do the same. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. What, why don't you start? Give them, give them an example yeah. of
1: three watches definitely. that you've purchased for less than 500 bucks. Uh, Okay. The first one I just mentioned is the Hamilton, Hamilton Acumatic uh, from 19... I want to say, I think 65. I could be wrong. It's on my Instagram. You can look it up. HammerSense. Acumatic. That was 70 bucks. Uh Then we have uh, Vintage Belova. Royal Clipper. Um, I think I paid 40 for this one. I believe. Has a Swiss movement in it. And the last one. I am going to say you know what I go ahead and say the one I got okay. on now. Um my L's and shotgun. Yeah, market. for sure. You know what I mean? Uh, shoot, I think I paid about Yep. Yep. So bucks. all in all, even okay. way less than five hundred bucks. You know what I mean? With moments. So Yeah, way less. You know what I mean? And each one each company has history. You know what I'm saying? They ain't, the Elgin they ain't like this bullshit they got in Walmart. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know Elgin history, you need to go back, research it, check them out. You know what I'm saying? After 69, they totally failed. But Yeah,
0: no, know, for sure. It is, yeah, it is. The, the, you know, another an, uh, another uh, cool thing about these vintage watches is the charm, right? So, so what is – we talked about this in another episode. So what yeah. are watch companies now doing? Well, what they're doing is they're borrowing, quote, unquote, from the vintage world and coming out with all these reissues well if you're able to own this piece of history and you're able to own those aesthetics like the real deal for a fraction of the cost why wouldn't you right now I I get it I get that vintage watches are a little smaller and a lot of people go well yeah vintage watches are super cool but you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be wearing a 34 millimeter watch well guess what there is
1: well I was like that at first Though, like I was like that at first, like, like where I didn't want to put something. And you have that, a big oh, wrist. Tell so the
0: people how how big your wrist is, right? So right. if P's wrist is um, seven and four, and he's able to rock thirty four millimeter watches and feel confident yeah. with his manhood, and not only that, but he looks yeah. elegant while sure. while doing so. It's just a matter of peripheral perf- per- personal preference, you know? and to be honest with you, we both right. own big dinner exactly. plates. Uh, of watches, like my Bulova Precision. If that that guy is mm-hmm. beast. like forty five millimeters, and it's super heavy. And I still rock it. Like who cares? And then I have right.
1: And I'm looking at an Invicta there venom right now. So fifty. Millimeter. He's able to rock both.
0: The, you know what the, I mean? The, the, the dinner so... plates and and the vintage stuff. You know, it's just a matter of of how you feel, right? Are you are you able to rock a pair of Jordans? and then rock a pair of loafers right uh are you able to whatever it's just there's no rules to this people like you buy whatever speaks to you and who cares Mm -hmm. what everybody else has to dictate um so let me give you an example of of three watches in my collection that i paid a little bit of money for so that chateau right it's not a well-known uh watch and i i need to do a little Oh, so, <laughs> so that I'm vintage chateau it's it's uh the, the the case is not even stainless steel it's made out of brass with kind of like a chrome plating to it that's how a lot of watches were made back in the days and it has a plastic bezel on it, it has an acrylic crystal it does feature tritium on the on the indices it has a ronda uh, manual wine movement that's loud like really loud and it features one jewel so it's not a high-end watch by any stretch of the imagination however every time i i post a picture of it a lot of people love that watch because of the vintage aesthetic has that broad arrow um it's appealing it's appealing right and it's appealing. so i guy, paid for it, that it watch really they is. wanted like 40 bucks for it and i was like i've never heard of this brand i did a little research but i'm like you know what at the end of the day. And the watch looks super cool. It's just appealing to me, right? I mean, it has that vintage aesthetic, and it looks cool. And it will look cool on, on some straps and on Instagram, and I could do some videos. And I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'll pick it up more, uh, not so much for the historical aspect, but because of how it looks. I, I like the way it looks. So I picked it up for $35. Bucks and it got here, and uh, and again, I, I mm. bought the seller And he had some pretty good ratings. But in his listing, he said that everything was working. I even, you know, asked him, like, are you sure everything's working? Yeah, everything's working. Well, the bezel kind of stuck on there. And I cleaned it up. I took it off, cleaned it off. And it's still kind of stuck. I don't want to mess with it because it's plastic. I don't even know where to get replacement pieces. And the date wheel is stuck as well. It doesn't move. uh, But it keeps time pretty well. So I reached out to him and said, hey, you said it was working uh but I don't want to return the watch because I really do like it and you know for for the amount of money that I got it it just doesn't make sense so I worked out a deal with him where um he gave me a, par- a partial refund and and uh you know and just kind of worked out that way that I I I actually you know the watch is forty forty five 45 bucks I ended up getting uh, a partial refund and um uh, and the watch would have ended up costing 30 bucks like 30 bucks 35 bucks but anyways because because i open a a, a, a right, thing yeah, uh, a claim with ebay they he couldn't partially refund the money long story short um he's like hey i can't send you the money for whatever reason but i know you mentioned that you like vintage watches i actually have this vintage bulova in my collection it's an n3 date it kind of has like cushion case it's missing a crown and a stem, and the dial's a little weird. But I think the movement, everything is working. He's like, instead of giving you the refund of you know 10, 15 bucks, why don't I just send you this watch for free? I was like, okay. So that's actually in the mail. So I haven't gotten it yet. I'll send right. you a picture, of P. I think it's you're gonna like it. So yeah, I mean, for thirty five bucks, I ended okay, up basically cool. getting two watches, and now the other one, the uh, Gerard Perregaux. A lot of people go dang, that's a nice piece and that looks yeah. like a heavy piece. And people think that I paid top dollar for it, maybe a thousand dollars for it, maybe. I ended up paying for that guy. It's a gold plated guy. Uh beautiful manual line movement. Everything is fully functional on it. Uh I got it for less than hundred and fifty bucks. Um, so and he wanted more. I just yeah. negotiated. You know, and another one in in the collection uh, that I picked up relatively inexpensive was my Seiko Flightmaster. I talked about that before. I picked it up used for like hundred and twenty bucks. So I have Japanese, I have Swiss, right. and Gerard Perregaux. Man, I mean that's that's some luxury stuff right there. I mean, if you want to pick up a brand new GP right now, we talked to uh, Nicholas about oh, yeah. it. Fierce watches. It's so underrated. And I have a feeling that watch is gonna go up in value, you know, and, and it's crazy that I was able to pick it up for that cheap. And there's still a bunch of GPs floating around for that price. So yeah, don't don't be turned off by vintage watches right. now if you wanna get into vintage Rolex or you know, high end Omegas, and yeah, you're gonna be paying top dollar because they're they're rare and they're unique pieces. But uh, even an Omega Seamaster, right? I mean you you wanna get into Omega. That's the way to do it. That's the way I did it. You know, when my my, my first luxury piece, I guess, quote unquote, right. was an Omega Seamaster from like the 60s with a, a seconds repeater at the bottom of the dial. Ended up picking up that guy for $375. This is about four years ago now. I ended up flipping it for a little bit more and mm. it saved up. And that's how I was able to uh, pick up my Omega Speedmaster, my automatic one and it's just a matter of of how you look at it right and a lot of people have different rules to their collection right i'm just going to do vintage i'm just going to do modern i'm just going to do swiss i'm just so yeah, i think as a watch collector the the beauty of it is that everybody has their own their own ideas yeah. of how they're going to build a collection right but there's no right there's no wrong right absolutely i mean look at look at jody right, right. Uh, yeah. from just one more watch his channel really focuses around the Chinese specials, right? Every once in a while, he brings some heavy hitters on there and reviews them, but his whole whole core demographic or core audience is more focused on the inexpensive um, uh, pieces of Pagani's uh, the... God, I don't even know. uh, uh,
1: L'Oreal, L'Oreal. All those those pieces, and
0: all these these, uh, like... Uh, imitation uh, G-Shocks and stuff like that. Yeah. And if that stuff speaks to you and that's your budget, go for it. How does the watch make you feel? You know, we, we discuss this over and over and over again in this channel right. uh, or in this podcast. And yes, we look, we, we like luxury pieces, but the reason we don't really talk about them too much is because we can't afford them. And it's like, we admire, I admire the, the craftsmanship and we admire them kind of like how we admire a Lamborghini or, or, <laughs> or a Ferrari, but we can't afford them and furthermore, P. Why don't Mm -hmm. we tell people? So you and I have had some really interesting discussions in the past where we go, Hey, we've had this amount of money to buy a luxury piece. We had $10,000. Would we actually buy a luxury piece or would we feel guilty knowing that we are not well off? in that way. And we want to use that money in a different way to maybe help our family, maybe do some, some better investments and stuff like that, you know? And I I think it it kind of, the, 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 the senses that we came to is like me as a watch collector, I don't think I could see myself spending over, I don't know, what was it? Like 3,500 bucks on a watch. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more, it's more so the, the, the idea that, I as a human being, growing up the way they did, I did, which was, I don't want to say poor, but it was uh, we 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 were we were below middle class. So growing up that way, seeing how my mom is, right, is right. struggled to even put food on the table and everything, and and obviously I'm not not in that in that same uh, boat anymore. But to be able to spend this kind of money in a luxury watch, it makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel like I'm overspending. Right. Well I think our I think our cap was,
1: was yeah, thirty five. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and then again vintage it's because
0: you could shit, go into yeah. a nice Rolex Datejust. just. You know, different references, different things. Uh you could get a birth year watch. Right. Um, hell, you know, thirty five hundred bucks you could get. You could say, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna split that into three and i'm going to get a a a $1000 watch a $1000 watch and a $1500 watch and you could pick up some really really nice things and and new stuff too like oris diver 65 right. you know that 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 could be had for 1200 maybe a little bit less if you mm-hmm. get a pre-owned one so it it's just how you yeah educate yourself i guess is what i want to say right it's it's not about don't em- emulate people on Instagram. A lot of these people, you don't know their story. It's it's all smoke and mirrors, you know. A lot of them, I've 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 heard through the grapevine that they don't own these pieces. They 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 pretend they do, and they either go to jewelry shops or they borrow from their right, friends, yeah. and they they want to flex like it's theirs, and it it, it really isn't.
1: And, and you know what, that's fine, but just, just just keep it real. You know what I'm saying? One thing about our Instagram, channels, whatever, whatever you see on our channels are. Yeah. yeah, nothing is borrowed. Is Everything is we owned. Plenty.
0: We don't have sponsorships with Go anybody. Ahead. I mean and even if we did, we would be completely transparent about it, you know. But I guess
1: Oh yeah, and even if I got yeah. a watch, there was somebody else. Yeah, I no, no, for it. sure. And, you
0: know and don't I mean, think like, that because you one. own a certain piece, yeah. it represents status, right? I mean, a, a watch is a status, but Bill Gates is one of the richest men in the world, and talked. We've talked about this. He wears a Casio Duro, and a Casio Duro could be had for less than mm-hmm. fifty bucks. It's a it's a yeah. it's a it's a good watch, but it's not. A great watch. It has a quartz movement. I mean, it's it's a little oversized in my opinion, like forty three millimeters, but it's a watch and it works and it has some history to it. But then you get some guys that they don't own a house. They probably don't even own their their car and they're they overextended themselves. But they have a Patek. They have an AP. And it's like, cool, well, what did you buy that watch because you love it and because you love the mechanical aspect of it? Or did you buy it as a flex piece to say, look how much money I have? Because if that's the case, then I'm looking at your finances Mm -hmm. going, you are a dummy because that money could have been invested here. And any residuals from that, uh, you could have bought the watch in the long run, but you couldn't wait Mm -hmm. because you just had to have that flex. So, just like with anything else right are you going to be driving a mercedes benz knowing that you don't even own your house or that your bank account is depleted so what are you who who are you trying to fool are you trying to fool right. the world because you're just fooling yourself but when it comes to to finances this is not the show for that and we're not going to tell people what to spend their money on or or how to how to how to come across but one thing we always say on what i say on this show and on my youtube channel stay humble so a lot of people just just hear that and say oh that's cute but really reflect on that what is what does stay humble really mean and it 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 speaks to so many different levels of your life not just watch collecting but being a genuine person being humble even if you amass a crazy amount of of success Staying humble is the most important thing you can do because you could be relatable and people are gonna like you. You can have all the money in the world and people hate you, and you come across as a douchebag. You're nobody, right? So, anyways, we're getting a little too philosophical here.
1: <laughs> hmm. I mean, and, and 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 before we end this conversation, I would just like to say that you yeah. have to determine sure. in your sure. mind yeah. what luxury is. You Know what I mean? It don't have to be what everybody else thinks it is a Rolex or uh, all of these are luxury items, but you know, if you have like if it's Bill Gates, Casio Duro, absolutely. Maybe and, and a lot, of, the times the is, best watch a lot of times, that's damn watching a lot of times, is how you Dang. wear the watch,
0: Dang. right? Yeah. I mean, you could see somebody rocking a, a Patek 5711 and it just it does, doesn't does look good on them, but you can have somebody else rocking something less expensive and it looks a lot better right so it 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 all depends on how you rock it how your attitude is towards it there's just so many factors but at the end of the day it's like you buy what you buy because you like it and it's just like food you eat what you eat because you like it right uh and of course affordability plays a big factor in it but anyways if, if there's any takeaway from from this all is that there is some value to be had in vintage pieces and of course you know japanese pieces there's there's just so many i'll give you another example so yes. everybody knows the battle between king uh king seiko and grand seiko uh, a lot of people probably don't but you know they were kind of they, they were kind of it was the same company right. kind of competing against each other to see who could be on top and be kind of like the luxury uh part of seiko and grand seiko clearly right. uh, won that but there's a lot of King Seiko watches floating around that are amazing value propositions. You could pick them up for less than 500 bucks for a high beat movement that bears the King Seiko Mm. name. And it's a, it's a cool part of history that you could own and say, Hey, at one point it's cool that Seiko was kind of in in, in rivalry, if you will, with itself. And this is the result of it. You know, it's super cool. I, I think it's very charming. Um, but anyways, uh, so that's that. So hopefully you, you enjoyed the main topic uh, and kind of everything that we bring to the table. Uh, again, we're not experts by any means or stretch of the imagination. We are just yes. enthusiasts. And this is our opinions. And we own enough watches in our collection that we we know how different watches are constructed, how they look, how they feel, how they wear enough to give our our educated opinion if you will right so any any final closing thoughts on on our topic here right all right cool yeah yeah for sure and if you want to follow us you You know know uh, we, we definitely post a lot of pictures of our of our watches on instagram that's probably the best way to to see our collection because youtube is always kind of you know, we we, we focus on a main topic, and, and then that's kind of how we do it, and uh, and yeah. But follow us. So let's talk other things. Anything else you wanna you wanna share with the people? Any food, movies? Uh, uh, one of the uh,
1: Chinese places in the mile. Is, is, is it a, is it a
0: fake Chinese food place, place, or is it like an authentic you know, kind of more had traditional? That. It's like a, it's like a Panda Express.
1: (laughs) It it ain't, it ain't, it ain't like what I'm used to, but, yeah, yeah, it ain't like what I'm used to, but, you know, um, but it was actually pretty good. I had the General Souls chicken, you know what I'm saying? That's cool. uh, That's pretty cool. Well, something
0: that I've noticed, I know we, we used to eat out a lot, like. It a just, lot, a lot. But with this whole quarantine, uh, my wife started cooking a little bit more. And now my palate has changed. Like, we just had, how was it, Chick-fil-A the other day or something? And it just wasn't that good. And then we had Rubio's, and it just wasn't that good. I don't know, because they weren't cooking yeah. it right or because now more – I've developed this kind of a right. taste for, like, home-cooked meals that it just doesn't compare because the the love that goes into it, the ingredients yeah. is fresher, right? I mean, you're, you're eating it right there and then, and then it just, it's just something about it that that's different. Blood, and not only blood. that, you could find a bunch of recipes and do something different and it could be healthy or unhealthy, whatever, whatever you want, you know, but, but yeah, something, let me see. I, I know I I wanted to share something that I watched a, a movie or a documentary the other day, but something I just started watching is The Last Dance. So Michael Jordan, I've only watched one episode, and I, I think it's great. I mean,
1: oh, the, yeah. the thing about me, right,
0: it's like I, when I was growing up, Michael Jordan was a big deal, but I didn't really necessarily understood every facet of it because I was young, you know, I was... Uh, I'm born in the eighties. So, I mean, obviously Jordan started being big in the eighties when I was born. So when I was a little kid in the nineties, it was all about Jordan. Right. And uh, I'll give you a funny story. So, or sad story, however you want to see it. (laughs) So growing up in Mexico, uh, like I said, my mom Mm. just had enough money to put food on the table, you know? So a pair of Nikes, uh, was unattainable to me. Right. I, I, um, I pleaded with my mom for many, many years growing up. I was like eight, nine years old when I, I aspired to be like Michael Jordan, right? So I, I, um, I know Nike was kind of the big company. Mm-hmm. So I asked her for a pair of Jordans, and she pretty much laid it out on me and said that it's impossible. We can never afford a pair of Jordans. It's 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 crazy. So I said, okay, well, what about Nike? You know, right. Nike makes them, and, and Nike's super cool, and I want to get into Nikes. And she couldn't afford them. So the whole time I lived in Mexico, she could never afford a pair of Nikes. And it's okay. You know, I I, I get it. So fast forward, I came to the U.S. when I was – or right. back, I'm sorry, back to the U.S. when I was 13. Because I, I was born in the U.S., moved to Mexico, came back to the U.S., so, I mm-hmm. share the same sentiment with my father about right. the Jordans and the and the Nikes. And again, he was in a different financial situation, but my dad is very frugal. So, a pair of Jordans was never going to happen. But I got my first kind of Nike, pair of Nike shoes when I was, I think, 13, 14. And we went to the swap meet, which, by the way, I don't know if people listening to this from outside the mm-hmm. US swap meet is basically like a flea market uh they were new but they were probably like a discontinued model and the funny thing is I was like a size at that time I was like a size seven and a half or something these shoes were like a ten and a half and they fit me like clown shoes but I didn't care because mm-hmm. it had the Nike logo on it it's right. so funny right but uh let me backtrack a little bit so yeah, growing sure. up in Mexico I became friends Oh, I went to a, a, to a private school in Mexico. And the reason I did is because my dad used to send money to my mom for our school. So my sister and I both went to private school. And the reason why is because my mom wanted us to not forget English. Because we already knew English coming from the U.S. So she's like, I don't want you guys to forget it and, and, and kind of keep on track with it. And I've heard private schools are better here in Mexico, whatever. So we went to private school. Well, unfortunately for me... I was the poor kid going to private school because yeah, I was there because my dad was paying the tuition. But all my peers were rocking Nikes. They were rocking really cool stuff that because their parents had money. And one of my best friends, uh, I'm never gonna, no, never gonna forget this. Right. He came to school with, and this is this is not the retros because it was the '90s. He he showed up with a pair of playoffs. So the Jordan Eight playoffs all black not the bug's bunny but the black ones with mm-hmm. with the red accents and oh my god i fell in love with those shoes right so um I, this is so sad so i used to love them so much that i that i would ask him like hey do you mind if i touch them like if i touch the little the little you know leather part or whatever and he was just like oh okay yeah i guess so i would like, touch the little furry yeah. part you know and and just kind of feel like the quality of them. And I was just so enamored by these. And then I remember one time I went as a as a play date to his house. I was, you know, I was young. I was like right. 11, 10, 11 or whatever. And I'm like, hey, do you mind if I if I wear them in your house? And he was like, okay. So I put them on. Oh, my God, Pete. It just felt so incredible. I was like, I can't believe I have a pair of Jordans on right. my feet. And then uh, fast forward like a year later after that, the shoes were to hell they had holes they were ripped and then he's like hey you know what i'm gonna get rid of these i'm yeah. gonna throw them away and i asked my mom if i could give them to you because instead of throwing them away and she said no and i'm mm. like oh man please can you talk to your mom i want them i don't care if they have holes long story short he didn't give them to me so right. whatever fast forward Many, many, many years later, mm. finally got a job, um, and a thought came over me about Jordans, and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted a pair of Jordans, and I, I can never afford them now. I'm 27 years old. Yes, 27 years old, and I bought my first pair of Jordans, and it felt incredible. Mm. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at them right now. I've had these things for mm. ooh, probably close right. to well i'm gonna be 37 so close to 10 years and i've only worn them a handful of times just because they mean that much oh, to wow. me and i've been on the lookout for those retro aids i can't afford the vintage pair because they're asking a little right. too much but i've been on the lookout for the the re-release when they come out i told my wife i am buying that pair and i am not wearing them because that is going to represent My childhood is going to represent something that I lusted over for so long. And the struggle, people don't understand the struggle when they can say, oh, the struggle, uh, whatever. They they don't know. They don't know what it's like to not have food on your table. They don't know what it's like to not able to Mm -hmm. own things for years, even if you want to. So this whole luxury game, look, Rolex is my grail. And I I know at one point I will own it Mm -hmm. when I'm financially well established and i feel like i'm there but even if i don't it doesn't mean that i can't enjoy watch collecting so anyway so going back to the last dance is pretty good so far the documentary really gives you some insight uh of jordan and what he did and how he changed the game and and it's incredible that his talent is just incredible and i obviously haven't even gotten to the part of him as a businessman um because he's an incredible businessman and and yeah right yeah but, uh, right. but yeah, well, I'll check it out. You, uh, I'll finish it off. So that's that's what I got, yeah. P. And uh, that's what you got. Uh, where can people find you? Right. Everywhere. Okay. What I FBI, FBI is most uh, popular, Everywhere. You heard it here Rock first. Sports, that's where you can find them. Uh, <laughs> Instagram. Right, right.
1: That's it. That's it instagram facebook are you serious about myspace i've always
0: i think MySpace.
1: oh okay i'm like uh, is that even a thing like i don't i don't even know <laughs> no nah, i'm 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 bullshitting about MySpace.
0: no nah, no nah, okay cool well you can play, find me on uh, yeah instagram, facebook YouTube, instagram YouTube, so, YouTube. so watch yeah. reviews uh youtube uh so watch reviews and then my spanish channel Relogeando, so if you got anybody that's uh, spanish-speaking uh, or you wanna hear me speak Spanish, go for it. <laughs> that's That's the channel. basically every every video that I make in English I make in Spanish. Yeah. And we've actually haven't even done our ten minute wind down videos, which I miss. They were we need to get back on it because it was great segments. We heard some really positive feedback we need to get back we haven't on seen that. them yet. Go check them out on peace Channel, on my channel. What we do, the premise of it is we take a watch, an actual watch model. And we discuss uh, the good, the bad, and see if we recommend it all within 10 minutes. So it's a back and forth. We record it on Zoom. So there you go. Check us out. Right. And if you like this episode, please help us out. This is episode uh, 32. So we, we are getting there. Um, hopefully 32? we hit that 50 milestone pretty soon. We just need to get back on track. And, again, if you have any ideas, if you want to be on the show, reach out to us. We're, we're cool peeps and uh we don't yeah. care we're just down to earth if you haven't figured that one out by yet <laughs> now but uh but but yeah yeah uh, reach out and uh peep thank you so much for for another hot one and uh and yeah man enjoy your day and sure. uh hopefully everybody listening you enjoy oh, yeah. this episode as yeah, always my friends stay humble